Amen. Well, I can tell you this, John, we all need to hear it twice. And I can tell you this as well. Uh, you can't get too much of amazing grace. Take your Bibles. Turn to Genesis chapter 1. Prayed about and thought about what to do for the beginning of 2020. Several years ago, maybe five or six years ago, I lose track of time. Uh, I did an early part of Genesis as an apologetics series. I'm not going there much this morning. I want to look at these passages we'll look at over the next several weeks as an examination of the goodness of God. Not many people use the book of Genesis to look at the goodness of God. In fact, a lot of people don't use the Old Testament to look at the goodness of God. There are a lot of people who look at the Old Testament with a lot of difficulties, particularly in the church, because there's so much in the Old Testament about judgment and some very stern warnings, some very strict rules of conduct, and, and even severe consequences for breaking the law and, and disobeying God. So there's a lot of that in the Old Testament that we look at and say, whoa, God in the Old Testament must not be the same as the New Testament. However, if you look carefully at the New Testament, you'll see God never changed. You have a couple that lied to the church leaders, and they dropped dead uh, for lying. You know, that's a pretty serious consequence for lying, and yet in the early church, that's exactly what happened. And you can look in the New Testament, you'll see other things that happened that are very much like what happened in the Old Testament. Our God has never changed. And yet, people call into question the goodness of God. Throughout my ministry, that's one thing that has been a constant, is people come up to me and they'll ask me questions, but really what's at the heart of the question is, is God good? And I don't know about you, but I've had those times in my life, in my journey of faith, where that was a question. It was a question in my mind, it was something I had to deal with, and and I was reminded of that when I was taking some students through uh, the Minor Prophets here uh, not very long ago. And, and, uh, and there are times when we come in the, the, into the prophet's mind and heart where they ask questions of God. Abraham asked questions of God. Uh, you look at the great men of faith in the Bible, they ask these questions. But really what's at the heart of it is, is God really good? I read a book years ago because I always loved Jerry Clower. I don't know how many of you ever listened to Jerry Clower. Um, I remember the first time I heard Jerry Clower, my uncle said, you need to come in here and hear this. And he had a little old phonograph like you'd see in most school classrooms. He had a great big OLP on there. And he said, I want you to hear this. And the first thing I heard was the coon hunting story. And I laughed so hard, I couldn't hardly stand it. And he said, oh, there's plenty more. <laughs> um, but he wrote a book entitled, Ain't God Good? That's not good grammar. It's not good English. Forgive me for that. But that's the title of the book, Ain't God Good? Good, and of course he elaborates in that book the reasons why he believes God is good. And most of what uh, people would say about the goodness of God is of what they've experienced in their life. But I want to submit to you this morning as we look at these passages over the next few weeks, and particularly beginning with Genesis 1, that God's goodness is far more than what you and I experience in life. In fact, a lot of what we experience in life may call into question whether God is good. The reason is because that's not the basis of God's goodness. It's like it's not the basis of His love, it's not the basis of His grace. When we look at the Scriptures, we find out that God is good, first off because there's an affirmation of that, but also because of things that God has done, who He is, and, and what He's even done with us that most of the time we don't focus on. 
So I want us to look at this chapter and see how it points to this foundational truth. Because if we ever nail this down, if we ever get this right in our life, if we ever get this right in our theology, if we ever get this right in our view of God and our view of God's Word and view of God's will and so forth, that God is good, then things will be quite different in our life. I know a lot of churches have developed this little statement, God is good all the time, all the time God is good. Well, I know a lot of people say that, but I'm, I'm wondering how many believe it. So let's look together in Genesis chapter 1, and, and uh, I'm going to ask you to participate with me a little bit this morning. Every time we come to where God says was good, I'm going to ask you to repeat that with me, okay? We're going to see how many times it comes out in the Scriptures. So in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was without shape and empty, and darkness was over the surface of the watery deep. But the Spirit of God was moving over the surface of the water. God said, let there be light, and there was light. And God saw that the light was good. Let's say it together. Was good. So God separated the light from darkness. God called the light day and the darkness night. There was evening and there was morning, making the first day. God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate water from water. So God made the expanse and separated the water under the expanse from the water above it. It was so God called the expanse sky. There was evening and there was morning a second day. God said, let the water under the sky be gathered to one place. Let dry ground appear. It was so. God called the dry ground land and gathered waters he called seas. And God saw that it was good. Let's say that together. Was good. God said, let the land produce vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. It was so. The land produced vegetation, plants yielding seeds according to their kinds, and trees bearing fruit with seed in it according to their kinds. God saw that it was good, was good. And there was evening, there was morning, a third day. God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the sky to separate day from night. Let there be signs to indicate seasons and days and years, and let them serve as lights in the expanse of the sky to give light on the earth. It was so. God made two great lights, the greater light to rule over the day, the lesser light to rule over night. He made the stars also. And God placed the lights in the expanse of the sky to shine on earth, to preside over the day and night, to separate the light from the darkness. God saw that it was good, was good. And there was evening and there was morning, a fourth day. God said, let the water swarm with swarms of living creatures. Let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the sky. God created the great sea creatures and every living, moving thing which the waters with which the water swarmed according to their kinds, and every winged bird according to its kind. God saw that it was good, was good. God blessed them and said, Be fruitful and multiply and fill the water in the sky, in the seas, and let the birds multiply on the earth. And there was evening and there was morning, a fifth day. And God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds, cattle, creeping things, and wild animals, each according to its kind. It was so. God made the wild animals according to their kind, the cattle according to their kinds, and all the creatures that creep along the ground according to their kinds. And God saw that it was good, was good. And God said, let us make humankind in our image after our likeness so they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over all the creatures that move on the earth. God created humankind in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and said to them, Be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it, rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, and every creature that moves on the ground. Then God said, I now give you every seed-bearing plant on the face of the entire earth, and every tree that has fruit with seed in it, they will be yours for food. 
and to all the animals of the earth and to every bird of the air, to all the creatures that move on the ground, everything that has breath of life in it, I give every green plant for food. And it was so. God saw all that he had made, and it was very good. Very good. There was evening, there was morning, the sixth day. Let's pray. Father, for your passage of Scripture, and as the Word begins, Lord, it was the Word that you spoke forth that brought everything that exists into being. Lord, even it was you who brought this chapter into being as, Lord, you spoke the words to Moses and recounted how you created all things. Now, Lord, as we examine this passage of Scripture, I pray that it will be your Holy Spirit who will speak to our hearts and minds about you. Lord, so that we'll understand about you more fully. And as we enter into 2020, as we, Lord, look into a new decade, this will be an opportunity for Lord, Lord for us to, to rest upon your goodness, to know that you are good, so that our lives will reflect that trust and that belief. Lord, that we affirm it every day of our life. Have your will in your way in this time, and if there is someone who doesn't know you as Savior, who has yet to call upon the name of Jesus to be saved, that today, Lord, this would be a day of salvation. Do your great work, I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So as we look at this past scripture, several things, and I'll move through this rather quickly, but I want us to just look at several things that the scripture affirms for us. First off, we see goodness in the Creator. In other words, in this chapter alone, God's mentioned 32 times in 33 verses. Why? Because this is all about God. This is all about what he did. It's all about who he is. In the beginning, God. That's, you can just leave it right there. In the beginning, there was God. There was no one else but God. It was God. God has always been. God always will be. In the beginning, it was God. But it was God who created and made everything. And this, as we look at this passage of Scripture, goodness can only come from God. We know these from the words of Jesus himself when a person came to Jesus and said, good teacher, or good master, and Jesus stopped him. And so why are you calling me good? There is none good but who? God. In other words, to affirm that Jesus was good would be to affirm that he was God. Because God is good. And so we see goodness affirmed in this passage of Scripture because goodness can only come from good, and goodness came from God. Everything that God created, he was able to say was good. Why? Because God himself is good, and what he made is good. And so as we look at this passage of Scripture in that light, we realize that God is the creator of all things. He's not part of creation. He's not in creation. He is the creator. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, we see that Everything was under his control, but much of what he created, he has given into the hands of those he made in his image. Now, we don't have control over the planets. We don't have control over the sun, the moon, the stars, and we don't have uh, control over all of the galaxies and all the solar systems and all of the things that are out there throughout the universe. But what we have control over is the things that God gave us control over, and that was on this earth. Now, think about that. Because God is good. And he wanted to be involved as creator, but he wanted us to be a partner with him in his creation. So God has always been involved with his creation. He is still involved with his creation. But he has invited you and I to be part 
of this as well. We, have been, we are to be partners with him. That's been so since the beginning, but more so since we come to faith in Jesus Christ because now we are part of his kingdom and, and we're going to have even yet further responsibilities to be in control and in charge and responsible for what belongs to God. But God is good. It's affirmed in this passage. The greatest act of involvement was, of course, when the Creator became one of us so that he could redeem us, so that in flesh and blood he could suffer and die on a cross for our sins, having withstood all the temptation from Satan and from the world and even from his own flesh, and yet remain sinless and pay the price for our sins. That affirms the goodness of God. So seven times, as we just read the passage of Scripture, we spoke of the word Good being associated with the things God created. The number seven is not by accident. Throughout the Bible, number seven has to do with God. And, and it's a number of completeness. It's a number of perfection. It's, the, it's a number of divinity. And so God created the earth in six days. On the seventh day, he rested. That makes for a complete week. But as, we're gonna, uh, as, as we know and understand in Scripture, later on God would affirm that not only were people to work six days and rest on the seventh, but six years to work the land, seventh year, give it rest, and so on and so forth. Ultimately, because it's a providential pattern, uh, God is going to unfold even yet in the future. But I said all that to say this. The goodness of the Creator is demonstrated in the fact that He created. You know, the modern believer struggles with all these inconsistencies we have but seemingly between science and faith. And the reality is there is no inconsistency between facts and, and the Bible. There's no inconsistency with what is known and the Bible. What is at odds is theories. Scientific theories are at odds because those theories are an attempt to explain which the Bible has already said is. <laughs> what God has already said has happened and the way in which it happened, theories are out there to try to explain it otherwise, but the reality is this Bible that we're reading today, this passage of Scripture, affirms a reality that took place when God created all things. And so there's no conflict between science. In fact, science has given to us many wonderful things we enjoy in this world, in this life. In fact, uh, it's an amazing thing that when science actually applies itself to that which can be seen, observed, repeated, and so forth, which is a true scientific method, then all things work with God. It's when they theorize about those things that are not right with God that things go astray. But we look and see what God has done the fact that God has created life, and we see His goodness. You know, you can take all the ingredients of life from a drugstore shelf, mix it together, and wait for life. It will not happen. We can change genetics. We can uh, clone life. We can uh, do life and, and begin life in things like test tubes and other things, but we can't take something that's never had life and create life. I like what or, uh, Lauren Isley said when a renowned naturalist said, carbon, nitrogen, hydrogen, and oxygen, you will have mixed, but the same dead chemicals, they will remain. Only God gives life. Goodness is also seen not only in the Creator, but in the creation. So as we examine this passage of Scripture, as we read through this, I hope you realize that every time God created something, every time God made something, He said it was good. Now notice that wasn't what someone else said. That's what God said. When God says something is good, it's good. And every time God said something, He said, it's good. And He made something else, it's good. But did you notice when he made you and I, when he made humankind, when he made mankind, the kind of the stamp, the final thing that he 
made and created upon the earth, did you notice that God didn't just say it was good? He said it was very good. I hope you understand that today when God knitted you and formed you in the womb of your mother, which the Bible says he does, by the way, which makes life at conception. That's why when uh, Mary, the mother of Jesus, greeted her cousin Elizabeth, who was then carrying John the Baptist. You know what Jesus did in the womb of Mary? He leaped for joy. What does that mean? Because that was a human being living and breathing in the womb. And yet we look at this pastor scripture and we realize that when God knitted us and formed us, every single one of us, every single one of us here today, when God formed you and made you, his declaration was, it is very good. How do you know it was very good? Because for you and for me, he became one of us. For you and for me, he suffered and died on a cross. For you and me, he wonderfully, gloriously was resurrected, ascended to the Father, but he wasn't done. He sent his Holy Spirit to indwell every believer so that he is constantly with us as he promised. I will never leave you nor forsake you. The goodness of God is seen not just in the Creator, but in his creation. What a Creator to make us able to house him. See, nothing of creation is worthy of our devotion ultimately God alone is worthy of worship but nothing of creation is without value why because God proclaimed everything he made good and if it's treated properly and dealt with properly and cared for it properly if we actually carried out the responsibilities the way God said we should in being good stewards of the earth then everything could be and should be good because God is good sin is what messed up what God had created and for that reason, God says, and the Apostle Paul reminds us in Colossians that, that what Jesus did on the cross wasn't just for us, it was for all of creation because all of creation groans to be restored back to its goodness. God's goodness is seen in creation. There was a Frenchman crossing the desert with an Arabian guide, and day after day, the Arab knelt in the burning sand and called upon the Lord. One evening, the skeptical Frenchman said, How do you know there's a God? And the Arab said, Well, how do you know that it wasn't a human being who passed by our tent last night? Why would you suspect it was a camel while we were sleeping instead of a man? The Frenchman said, Well, that's easy. We knew by the print of the hoof in the sand. That print was not the print of a man. It was the print of a camel. And he pointed to the sky where the setting sun threw brilliant colors of red and gold and purple all across the heavens. And the Arab said, neither is that the footprint of man. It's the footprint of God. No wonder the psalmist would say in Psalms 19.1, the heavens declare the glory of God and the firmament shows his handiwork. You and I can see the goodness of God in creation. I don't know about you, but I marvel at sunsets. The other day I was in a car with somebody commenting on those reds that were coming across the clouds and what a, what a beautiful spectacle that was. How many of you have been to places where you just looked at it and said, there has to be a God because you see its beauty. And it's, it, it didn't just happen. Well, lastly and very quickly, goodness is seen in the creature. You see, the crown of God's creation, again, was you and I. And 
It's what he declared very good. But notice what God said. Let us make man in our image. What does that mean? Well, there's a lot of things that you and I are capable of that God does. We are a person. We're a personality. We're a being. We're actually a trinity. We're, we're physical creatures, uh, but we are also spiritual creatures. We have intelligence. We have emotions. We have wills. Perhaps even our very appearance, because when God made appearances on the earth, he would appear as, as us. Somebody has said man is less than God. Man is finite. Man has a beginning and an end. Man has limitations, yet man is more than animals. Created in the image of God, created with a capacity for fellowship with God, created with the ability to make moral decisions, and the object of God's redemptive plan. That's a powerful statement. You and I have been made and fashioned in such a way that we absolutely are the image of God. In fact, that last statement gives us hope for goodness. We're the only creatures God made that was the reason for His coming and the cross. Think about that. A lot of wonderful creatures on this earth, and they're all important. They all play their role. But Jesus didn't come to die for them. He came to die for you and me. We were the object of that love and demonstrating His goodness that He would do such a thing. God's goodness is seen in what God has done, what He's doing today, what He will do in the future for those who love Him. I love that passage. Again, I can't say it enough. The eye has not seen, nor the ear heard, nor has it entered into the heart of man what God has in store for those who love Him. Why? Because His goodness extends to us and what He has in store for us. I marvel at that. But it was in his mind from the time that he first laid the foundation of the earth that he would redeem us. That's why Jesus was the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Years ago, a South American company purchased a printing press from a company that was based in the United States. And, and after the machine reached its destination was assembled, the workers couldn't get it to work. Uh, they tried to fix it, but they could not. They brought in experts. They could not. Finally, the company wired the mess wired a message to the manufacturer asking for a representative of theirs to come to South America, adjust equipment so it would run. Well, this company sensed the urgency of the request, so the company sent the person who had designed the press. Not just somebody who knew about it, but somebody who had actually built it. Somebody who had designed it. And when he arrived, the South American officials were skeptical because he was young. They wired back the company and said, send us a more experienced person. And the reply came back, he made the machine, let him fix it. <laughs> folks, God made us, created us, and only God could fix us. Don't ever think for one second, one moment, that you could fix yourself. You cannot fix yourself. You never will be able to fix yourself. It's not in the capacity of you to fix yourself. Only the one who made you can fix you, and he wants to make you a new creation. He wants to transform you, not just reform you, but transform you into a child of God. And he does that through Jesus. And so I ask you a question this morning. Do you know Jesus? As your personal Lord and Savior, have you understood that the whole purpose that Jesus came to suffer and die on a cross for our sins was that he did it for you because out of the goodness of God and because God is good, he would not leave us without a way of salvation. And there was only one way for that to happen. 
Jesus did not question the goodness of the Father when he was in Gethsemane. He did not go and kneel and pray and say, God, if you were really good, there'd be another way. I wouldn't have to do this if, if you were really good. I wouldn't have to suffer. I wouldn't have to die. I wouldn't have to go through what I'm about to go through if you were good. Yet you and I question God all the time about the things we go through. When the goodness of God is not about what we experience. It's about what He has done. And about who He is. And folks, hear me again. God is good that was a transformational moment in my life when I realized that forevermore no matter what I experienced in my life no matter whatever happened no matter whatever came no matter what I was given and what was taken away God is good God is love. God is light. And in him is no, not even the shadow of turning of darkness. He's good. When you come to faith in Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, you discover the goodness of the Lord all anew. And you discover that when God declared just your creation, just your formation in the womb of your mother, to be very good, how much more he declares when you and I are saved and transformed as a child of God. He doesn't look at our sin. He looks at the blood. He looks at his son and says, and what would you think God would say of the sacrifice of Jesus? What would you think God would say about what he did on the cross Here's my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. But beyond that, he exalted the son because what the son did was extraordinarily good. This is what the Lord wants for our life. I pray that today that you come to faith in Christ if you've not already done so. But if you're a Christian here today, I hope that you can nail this down. I hope this can be the beginning of the year 2020 for you, and, and this will become something that you can latch on to for, for the rest of your life, as I was able to do, and that is to do, know God is good. No matter what, no matter what happens, no matter what happens to me, no matter what happens to my family, no matter what happens to my community, no matter what happens to my country, no matter what happens, God is good. My wife, shortly after we were married, she, uh, she fell in love with a, a story, a series of books about a veterinarian. And the titles of those books were based off the poem I'm about to read, but it was written by Cecil Alexander, and he said it well when he wrote these things, and I close with this. All things bright and beautiful, all things great and small, all things wise and wonderful, our God made them all. Cold wind in the winter, pleasant summer sun, ripe fruits in the garden, He made them every one. He gave us eyes to see them and lips that we may tell. How good is God our Father, 
who doeth all things well. Let's pray. Father, I thank you that as we examine the first chapter of the first book, a foundational passage in many ways to our faith and belief. But Lord, at the heart of it, and repeated over and over, is the fact that what you made is good because you are good. But Lord, throughout your word and the story of redemption, and indeed, Lord, what has happened in the lives of many who are here this morning, you have shown your goodness through your son, Jesus what he was willing to do by becoming one of us, leaving his throne in glory, being born of a virgin as a baby. Lord, living those many years, growing in the wisdom and knowledge, because he was like us, and yet he was God. Lord, we marvel at the fact that you willingly came to this earth for an express purpose, and that was to pay the price of sin that we could not pay ourselves. To be willing to do what we could not do for ourselves, and yet, Lord, you willingly did it. You willingly went to the cross. You endured all the suffering, all the shame, and death itself for us. But, Lord, when you came victoriously from the tomb... You extended yourself to all who would believe that there should be none that would perish, but that all could come to repentance, all could come to a saving knowledge of you. And so, Lord, today I marvel again that even in this place today, if there's someone here who doesn't know that they're saved, who maybe even knows for sure that they're not saved, but they need to be. And, Lord, I pray that today by the work of your Holy Spirit, they would be willing to turn from the sin that has marred what you made good and, Lord, be willing to turn to you for salvation through your Son, Jesus. Lord, believing what your Word says to be true, praying a prayer of faith, something like this, Dear Jesus, I know I'm a sinner. I can't save myself the best that I know how. I confess that Jesus is the only Savior, the one who suffered and died on the cross, who died, was buried, rose from the grave, and the best that I understand and know will come into my heart. So, Lord, I ask you to come into my heart and save me. Help me to turn from my sins and live for you and to become the boss of my life. Lord, I pray for Christians that are here today. Maybe their struggle for these past years has been just the fact that somewhere deep inside they've questioned whether you're good. But, Lord, may today that become an affirmation that they not only make but a foundation upon which they build their life. Lord, do your great work in this place. If there's someone who needs to come for baptism, if there's somebody who needs to come for an affirmation of your lordship, somebody needs to come for membership in this church, then Lord, whatever commitment, whatever decision needs to be made, may it be made today for your glory. And we'll praise you for what you do in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to sing the hymn. It's a hymn of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to the Lord. So as the Lord has spoken to you, and there's a decision or a commitment you need to make, we invite you to come and sing, Brother Tommy. Stand together, please. Just as...